0: So if you guys were at the New Year's Eve party slash service, I grabbed the mic and I said something like, I can't wait till next year because we're going to start a series on the body of Christ and what is the body of Christ and the functions within the body of Christ and the role of body Christ and what it means, blah, 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 and the disease that, aff- diseases that affect the body of Christ, right? So we can be educated. We all- and God was like, that's cool. I like that. But there's a time for that, and the time is not at this moment. And he kind of, like, began to disturb my spirit, if I want to say right. And um, it started in Mexico, I think, because if you guys know, I went to Mexico with my family to catch a little break. But I was out there, and staring out into the ocean, I felt uncomfortable about something right and at that moment i have to say i was comfortable i was comfortable i was relaxed i was enjoying the sun and the water but something made me uncomfortable and i didn't know what it was like why i shouldn't feel guilty to to go out once every two years that's what it's been like right you know to, to to take a break but it wasn't that it was god showing me how uncomfortable he is With the church being so comfortable. And and, and it took me some time to get to that point because I didn't know why I was uncomfortable. Because I didn't, I was like, I God he tells us to take a Sabbath, He tells us to to rest. So there's nothing wrong with that. And then as as I came back and I started speaking with individuals and, and meeting with some people, I was talking to Sister Carmen this week. And Sister Carmen, this was the icing on the cake. I was talking to her, and First of all, if you've never spoken to Sister Carmen on the phone, that will lift your spirits quickly. She is a motivator, and encourager, and she is on. So I was talking to her, she's like, Pastor, you know what? She goes, I, was, I had a dream the other day. And she goes, the dream was that God took me to the doors of the church. And he told me to open them and to tell him what I, what I see. And when I opened the doors, I saw the people asleep. So at that moment, I said, okay, God, we're going to talk about this. You are obviously trying to wake us up. Yes. And so today is week one of a series called Wake Up. And um, I, I really, I, the, the, the whole series is a series really that's coming from my heart with love. Um. But I believe it's something that it's, it's a timely message for the church, for the church. Um, I mentioned yesterday, you won't know that you're asleep until you wake up. You're fall asleep on the job. You, you don't know you're sleeping until your head does the neck break, right? <laughs> When, 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 you, when, when you're like, you know, at your desk, and all of a sudden be like, like that. And all of a sudden, like, oh, snap. At that moment, when you wake up was when you are then edu- you you then realize to yourself that, wait a minute, I have been asleep. And so many people within the body of Christ are asleep but don't know it until you experience the neck break. And I'm hoping within these next four weeks that your neck does one of these, like, and that we can wake up. Our church is claiming to be, no, no I'm let, 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 me, let me rephrase that because it's not our church. Society, this world, is claiming to be woke. How many of y'all, how, how, how many of y'all woke? Oh, nobody want to raise their hand right now. Chris is like, I'm woke. <laughs> how many of us are woke? Listen, I, I want to say something, and I don't—well, y'all know me, so I'm not going to apologize. What's happening is this. What's happening is this. We're living in a world, right, where um, we want to we be claimed as—we want p- people to say that they're woke, and what they're doing is they're attaching racism and prejudice and all sorts of maybe past injustices, right, to, to, to people— and now, if you're woke, you're aware of it. Well, let me tell you a little secret, wokenessness ness peoples. If racism is nothing new. Can I, can I, can I tell you that? It's, it's, been, it's, it's wrong. It's been wrong. It will always be wrong, but it's not nothing new. We see it in the Bible between the Samaritans and the Jews. That was racism, Right? And so what happens is I don't know what happened sometime where there must have been uh, maybe some people fell asleep and they didn't see or, or, or maybe didn't realize that racism was still going. And all of a sudden someone a couple years ago was like, wait, there's racism? We need to be woke to this. And what happens is this. What happens is um, as Christians, as Christians, we're not, taught in the Word of God to respond to racism the way this woke movement wants us to respond. The way the, the worldly woke system wants us to respond is not the way that we are taught in the Word of God. So. If you are a child of God, then we respond in the manner that God responds. God didn't tell us to burn buildings down, to riot. Now, guess what? Is it wrong? Yes. But somebody's got to do something. Yes. You know what we do as a body of Christ? We pray and we say, this is wrong. It's okay to stand up and say, this is wrong. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm going to choose not to go there because, you know what? They, what they stand for is not what I believe and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boycott this. Or, and that's, Nothing's wrong with all that. But the Bible does say that vengeance is mine. And so, when we act out in a certain way that is unbecoming of a Christian, at that moment we're taking vengeance in our hands. But this is not what, this is not what the whole sermon's about. As Christians, we should be opposed to racism, opposed to uh, treating people differently because of their skin color, where they're born, where, how, uh, where, where their social classes, and all that. Because we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God. What's happening is this, you know. Listen, let me, let me give you an example of, of, of the woke movement, right? In Canada, a couple years ago, there was this big scandal about the Catholic Church and how they treated the, the children on the Indian reservations. Has anybody, anybody, you guys, I know you guys were talking, and it was horrible. It was horrible how they treated those children. It was horrible, the abuse. It was horrible. None of that should have happened. It was wrong, and it will always be wrong, but... The woke movement in Canada responded by burning the Catholic churches down, right? Now, let's be honest. Is that what God would want us to do? Would God want you to burn churches down because they did something bad decades and centuries ago? But what's happening now is instead of consequences for breaking the rules, right, we punish those who attempt to enforce them. Instead of punishing the wrongdoers, we, are, we make the wrongs right. The Bible says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, remember? Right? And, and, and But let me tell you the mentality. When they're burning those churches down in Canada, right, leaders of their society were questioned about it, right? Right? Um, The uh, the British Columbia Civil Liberties Association executive director tweeted, burn it all down. Right, these are community leaders. The former Canadian principal to the secretary of the prime minister of Canada says, oh, the arsons are understandable. Do you see what happens in a society, right, where where they're presenting this, this notion of uh, of changing what's right, wrong, and what's right, what's wrong, right? Our, our world is in a mess. Our world is in a mess, and what's happening is people want to burn it down. The same way that they're burning down those churches in Canada, it's almost in the sense of we want to erase the past, right? We want to erase the past. It should never happen. Well, burning the churches down doesn't erase the past. It happened. It happened. But let me tell you a secret for those conspiracy guys that are in the room, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this with you so you can add this to your list. What happens in the movement, right, that the society and the world wants is like, you know what? We need to burn down the past. They were wrong. They treated us wrong. They did us wrong. Let's burn it all down. Let's erase it and so forth, right? And in doing so, in doing so, what, what the world, and I believe what the enemy is trying to do is saying, let's get rid of our morals, right? Our biblical traditions. Let's get rid of all the things our country was built on. Let's sprinkle racism on top of it. Let's sprinkle injustices on it. Let's sprinkle all this and let's erase the entire past. And so that way we can become this immoral society. And there was an article somewhere. One of the guys did a, 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 one of those video things. They said, the United States is becoming Sodom and Gomorrah. So, although we're not burning down churches in America yet, right? The same kind of mentality of retaliation for past sins is destroying us. I believe that a lot of this insanity is a direct result of the church falling asleep. You know, it's easy to sit back and blame the government. It's easy to sit back and blame society and communities. But what is the church doing? We are just like Eutychus in Acts chapter twenty, sitting there. If you, I don't know who Eutychus was. It was a guy sitting on a window sill, a high window sill. And instead of listening to the messages of the gospel, instead of mis- listening to the message of hope, instead of listening, you know, to the message of repentance, we doze off when we should have been paying attention, and we fall asleep. If you guys don't know the story, he fell asleep and fell out the window. The church is becoming apathetic to the attitudes. It's like, it's okay if they think that way. It's okay if they... We're becoming apathetic to the events, to the problems of the world. Maybe it's because we're afraid of bringing attention to ourselves. Because some of y'all don't like attention to you. I get it. I just like to be in the background, pastor. I hear that for like 70% of y'all. I like to be in the background. I'm like, okay. We got a church full of backgrounders. Maybe it's because we're afraid of making enemies, which by the way, nobody likes enemies. Maybe it's because we're afraid of being persecuted, or maybe it's simply because you're afraid to stand up for what is right. Are you afraid to stand up for what is right? Because it's real easy to stand up for what is right when you are part of the mob, right? Mob mentality. Mob courage? Come on, you know how it was in the schoolyard growing up. If you by yourself, you ain't going to fight nobody. But if you with all your boys, like, yeah, what's up? Let's do this, let's do this. You're going to, you're going to, you have this all of a sudden, this boldness and this courage and all this stuff because you know you're not alone. You know that if one swing starts happening, it's a brawl out there and the chances of you getting really beat up are a little less because you got some help. But if it's you by yourself, you, some people are not as bold. The church is asleep, and we need to wake up. Not so long ago, um, the, the rationalism movement, you know, making sense of things. Let's make sense of things. Um, sw- um, swooped in, um, in in America, right? And what it began to do is this rationalism began to grow, and our church... Uh, faithfulness and spirituality began to decline because people wanted to bring science and logic to, to everything, to make sense of everything. Well, if you bring science and logic to it, then you're removing faith from the equation. And God calls us to be a people of faith. That sounds like, some, that sounds like today. But what I'm describing happened in the 1700s. There was a movement of rationalism in the 1700s where it was all about logic and science. And then God raised up men that would preach the truth that were bold, that were not afraid. Men like um, John Word, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitefield, they, spoke, they, they brought a revival and sparked a revival in America. They preached messages of fundamentals. Sometimes we get so caught up in all the other things that we miss the point right? The fundamentals. Well, what's the fundamentals of our faith? Well, let me tell you something. Um, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we are all born sinners. We are all sinners here because they first sinned in the, in the garden. Sin without salvation leads to eternal hell, right? That's a, that's a foundation. That's the foundation. That's the truth, right? All people, all people can be saved, not just a select people, not such a group. Or this, all people can be saved, If they confess their sins to God, seek forgiveness and accept God's grace. All people can have a direct and emotional connection with God. You don't need a priest in the middle. You can have that for yourself. You could talk to him for yourself. We need that kind of awakening in 2023. We need it. We need that. The church needs to wake up and the time has come. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. And we're going to read this verse every week for the next four weeks And um, it says, this is all the more urgent for, you know, how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness and in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. You know what got me with that one verse? You read this, right? And you, you see like drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living, and then you stick in jealousy right after that. Like, oh my gosh, is that in the same circle? Is that in the same list? I mean, he put it there. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge your evil desires. Wake up, church. Wake up. Wake up from our slumber because time is running out. Every day is a day closer to the coming of Christ. Oh, but Pastor, people have been saying that for the last 30, 40, 50, 60, 700 years. And guess what? 100 years ago, when they would wake up, that was another day closer to the coming of Christ. And if you guys are into like end prophecies and end time stuff and this and that, you know what? You will see that some of the things that are in the book, in the Bible, that prophesy the end of days are already being fulfilled. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the truth is we need to wake up. I mean, so, we, and so, so as a start, in order to wake up, we need to wake up the truth. We need to wake up the truth. And today's, today's message is based on awakening the truth, right? Church, we need to wake up, we need to awaken the truth. Well, what is the truth? Well, um, one plus one is always two, Right? unless someone says no 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 you you you, you got to get woke these days you see 1 plus 1 they told you it was 2 <sighs> 1 plus 1 is actually 3 you've had it wrong the whole time oh my gosh i did yes it's 3 and so what happens is society would love to change the truth cuz the truth does not benefit what the enemy is trying to do with our world. We try to pass off theories as truth, and theories are just someone's opinion of, their tr- of the truth. Theories are just an opinion, someone's opinion of the truth. The world will push truth. Down. I told you guys it's not going to be an easy message. It's not easy for me. I had to go over it with, with Camille a couple of times <laughs> yesterday. But... The world will try to push truth down your throat, right? Marriage is between a man and a man. It is between a woman and a woman. That's the truth. No, it's not the truth. But the world would want us to think that's true. Marriage doesn't have to be forever. You know, you could just, you just, when you get tired of it, you move on to the next one. You move on to the next one. You move on to the next one. That's not true. The world would love for us to think that's true. <laughs> Teens doing drugs and having sex and doing all this stuff is OK as long as you, the parent, are home supervising it. Some of y'all are like, I, I, know, I know that's not too common in this church, right? I know y'all are like, "What? But it's happening?" It is happening where parents feel like, well, as long as they're in my house, it's okay. I let them do this and this because they're under the safety of my watching. That's not true. It's not true. It's not okay. It's not okay. There can never be unity amongst races and culture. That's not true. The world wants us to think that's true. That is not true. And and mentioning that, one of my my dreams and visions for Lighthouse is that we continue to diversify in such a powerful way that our congregation and our Sunday services are just a snippet of what heaven's going to be like. All races, all cultures, all ages. I know some churches are tailored to just one population and tailored to just one genre. I believe that at Lighthouse, we're going to pass that. And we'll talk about that in our members meeting in March. March? 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 March. If you're a member of this church, you want to be a member of this church, or you want to come to that meeting, you feel, feel free to do so. Um, the, the world isn't just under attack. The truth in the world, isn't, uh, ju- it's not just them. It's also within the church. There's been polls done lately with the church body, and let me tell you how the majority of born again christians right are don't believe in absolute truth okay, so let me let me take a moment to say this we believe in absolute truth what is absolute it's what it's a doctrine that we believe that everything in this book everything in this book is a divine word of god everything is the Word of God. Right? That's what we believe at Lighthouse. So if you're confused, you're not no no more. We believe in absolute truth in the Word of God. And it's sad to see that there is a majority of born-again Christians that don't believe that everything in the Bible is the Word of God. Sixty percent of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. 50% 50% of high school seniors think that Sodom and Gomorrah were married. <laughs> the world has lost its truth. Without truth, the gospel is perverted. Without truth, right? Uh, what's happening is we reject the accuracy of the Bible. We, we, we reject the existence of Satan. We reject the fact that Jesus was sinless. What's happening is you see the, you see the effect? You see the effect, the tumble effect that this has? And if, and if churchgoers don't believe that everything in the Bible is true, if churchgoers think that, that there is no Satan, because this is what the report tells us, that not every Christian believes that Satan exists, and not every Christian believes that Jesus was sinless, then what would give us the, the, that, that fuel and that fire to go and evangelize and preach this awesome gospel? And that's why so many people are asleep. All right. So we need to awaken the truth in our world. The world has lost the truth. How do we do that? We need to start with the basics. We need to start to know about what's the truth today. What is truth? We understand that truth, the first, first and foremost, truth comes from God. This, this is truth. God's laws and commands are ultimate truth. Turn to Psalms 119, 119 uh, verses 30, 137 to 144. You guys are a little quieter than usual about me today. Oh, Lord, you are righteous and, I am, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. I am overwhelmed with indignation for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. You know what? That verse 144 should be a memory verse for for all of us. It should be a memory verse for all We should say it every once in a while. Lord, your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. If we want to know the truth, we need to know God's word. We need to know God's word. Um, I'm going to speed up a little bit because I want to get to some other points. But uh, there was a time that monks and nuns were a big thing, right? Remember back in the day, there was a lot a big movement with monks, and in the medieval times, the, they had the, uh, what do they call it, the Benedictine monks and nuns, and they, would, they, they really took Paul's words of uh, praying without ceasing to heart. They would pray all the time, and what they would do is they would focus on the book of prayers, which is the book of Psalms. And so what they would do is these monks and nuns, their first assignment so let's say Lucy's was like, uh, well, no, a bad example. A bad example. You married already. You married already. Um, so Ruby was like, hey, I want to be a nun, right? If Ruby says, I want to be a nun, they'd be like, all right, welcome. Listen, first assignment, memorize the book of Psalms. Not chapter one, not chapter two, all 150 chapters. And it would take some six months to two years To finally memorize the whole thing. But then after they had it memorized, that's what they would do day and night. They would recite the Psalms, they would pray the Psalms, they would speak the Psalms over and over and over again. And yes, some would fall off here and there, because not everybody was, you know, and not everybody would do it, but even those that would fall off in their conversation, they they could not help but quote scripture. Their lives were saturated with scripture, saturated in the truth. And they were the ones that would teach men and women and children how to live, and they were teaching them truth because the truth was from the Scripture. I wish we had one ounce of commitment to the Scripture that they had. If God's Word is the truth, then the only one who brought the Word to earth must also be the truth. John 1, chapter 1, I didn't give you guys this one, it's okay. Okay. John chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was a god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things are made without him nothing was made that has been that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness the darkness has not overcome it Jesus was very it was god's very word brought to earth Jesus was God's word brought to earth. Jesus even had to pop his collar about it in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Mic drop, walk away. That's it. Jesus is the truth. When we wonder what to do, Jesus is is the answer. When we wonder which way to go, Jesus is our compass. Jesus is the truth. When you look at our world, what's happening is they're functioning without the moral compass. And, and what they're doing is they're swaying whatever direction feels good. We all know, especially some of us that have done our time in the world or, 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 or in, in outside the will of God, that sometimes the things that are not good for us feel good to us, right? We don't have to sugarcoat it. It, it. it might feel good for a moment. And so what's happening is the world is being led by all the things that feel good. Oh, that felt good. Oh, that felt good. And it was just wandering aimlessly with no direction, which, but, but the direction that the enemy is, it's pulling you further away from God's will. So it, it's aimlessly with no direction, but he has whatever direction is away from whatever God wants from you is the direction that you're heading. Thank goodness, today you and I know the truth. Because I just, I mean, we just said what the truth was, right? So thank goodness we know what the truth is, and that truth is Jesus. Now it doesn't mean that the path is smooth. It doesn't problems. It doesn't mean that you'll never have problems. It just means that um, we, ha- we should have confidence in the truth. We will still feel anxiety, isolation, self-doubt, all that will happen. Jesus said the truth will set us free. Like a line from a few good men, right? The truth will set you free well, you can't handle the truth but the truth will set you free so what do we need to do with the truth we know that jesus is the truth the word of god is the truth what do we need to do with this truth to awaken truth in our lives first thing is we need to do is we need to trust the truth psalms 25 4-5 says show me the right path O lord point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. This is the way. This is how we do it. Lead me, God. Lead me in your truth. Help me, God. Help me trust your truth. If you, can't, if you don't trust it, if you don't, then, then, then ask him to help you trust it. It's a decision that you need to make in your life a decision that you to make to trust the truth, to follow the truth, to be led by truth. Now, when you choose truth, don't get it twisted. The world will not stop opposing you, right? In fact, they're going to turn it up a little bit, right? Um, regardless of the decision you make, the world will continue to attack. It will continue to oppose. It will continue to discount the truth. The world will want to ridicule the truth because they don't understand the truth. I want you to understand this part real quick. Let's turn to, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. You know what's happening sometimes? You know what we're, you know what we're guilty of sometimes? We're guilty of expecting people that have no relationship with Christ to act like they have a relationship with Christ. We're expecting people to, to, to understand what the Bible says when they don't even believe that the Bible is the word of God. What's happening is, and then, so then what happens, we get a, oh man, we can't be, we, oh, we, we, no, they, they, we can't even talk to them or we can't even be with them, and what happens is we respond in a way that completely cuts out the opportunity for us to love them the way God has asked us to love them, told us to love them. What we need to do when you're trying to deal with someone that's rejecting the Scripture because they don't understand the Scripture and they don't understand the Scripture because they don't have a relationship with God, what we need to be doing is praying that they encounter God and have a relationship with God. And then once that happens, then they'll be able to understand the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10 to 10.5 says, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to make room in our minds and hearts for God's truth. There's too much nonsense in our, in our minds. The enemy will throw stuff in your minds. He'll try to make you think things. He'll try to make you feel things. He'll try to make you see things the way they're not. He'll try to destroy and divide. You know, I'm telling you, at that moment, we need to cast all those things down. Rebuke and cast all those things down. Clear a space and allow God's truth to fill it. We need to accept Jesus into our hearts on a daily basis. Wake up like, Jesus, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me every morning. Fill me, Lord. Fill me today. Let me be an ambassador for you wherever I go today. Let every decision that we make and every action. Oh, snap. I'm feeding through this. I'm almost at the end. that every decision we make and every action we take and every thought that we contemplate be based and guided by the truth that comes from God and through God. This morning, church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. There's no coincidences when we serve an almighty God. Do you understand? Let me tell you something about God. He controls everything. Like everything is controlled by him. There's no coincidence. There's, he, doesn't, he doesn't like blink. Oh, something happened. Wasn't my intention. I didn't mean for that. That doesn't exist. That's the the stuff that we encounter. That's the stuff that we go through, right? He's in control of everything. And so when he begins to speak and somebody says something about, I don't know, I'm feeling, I've been serving God for, for this many years, but I just, I don't know, I feel blah, right? I've been serving God for 10 years, but it's just not the same. I don't have no passion, I don't have no, I don't have no zeal. When I first got saved, I wanted to tell the whole world about God. I don't remember the last time I did that now. When, 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 when I first got saved, I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop talking about it. Now I don't remember the last time I said anything. When I first got saved, I wanted to be in the house of God every opportunity that there was. Now, as long as I go once a month, I'm good. Church, many of us don't even know that we're asleep. Many of us don't even realize that we're sleeping right now. And God is saying, Wake up, my return is close. My return is near. You guys know the parable of the ten virgins. Listen, if, let's just fast forward to the very end. Right? The ones that and when they fell asleep and woke up and were not prepared and had no oil in their lamps. When they ran to the door, does anybody know what the master shouted from inside the house? I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know you. But wait a minute. I was one of the 10. You, you, you know there were 10 of us. What do you mean you don't know me? You know that there were 10 of us waiting for you. There's only five of them in there right now. We out here. I don't know you. There are some people that are sitting in the walls of the church Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. Just like the ten virgins, we're all waiting for the master. There are some people within the church waiting for the return of Christ, but are still asleep. And the worst thing is to hear the words, I don't, I don't know you. we need to learn to wake up, we need to learn to teach the Word of God, we need to learn, to, we gotta learn the Word of God, we gotta de- defend the Word of God, because that is the truth. That's the truth. But too often we find ourselves explaining away the scripture, you know what that means, right? Watering it down, minimizing it. I was talking to Irvin um, earlier this week and um, I was with Irvin Veronica and, and her grandfather, and Irvin was like, don't be like, don't be like, I'm sorry, just say it. And I, I get it. I, 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 I get it. And the reason why I hold back sometimes is not because I'm holding back the truth. It's because I have to be wise about uh, speaking the truth in love. And we're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about that in a second. And sometimes some things, especially in a setting like this, there are some people right now that I'm looking at, like I'm looking at this beautiful couple over there, right? You got, they, they don't, I don't know them personally. And so if all of a sudden I were to say something like, yo, who is this fool on the, on the stage right there? Like, who's this guy? There's no relationship there. So I need to be wise about how hard some of the words sound from up here. But in this church, we don't minimize or water down the gospel. We don't do that. We don't do that and we won't. But what happens is people do that because they wanna make it appealing to all. And so we have some institutions that will say, well, I wanna preach it this way so that everybody can come in and then they'll be exposed to the gospel. Well, they're being exposed to a false gospel is what you're doing, right? And so you're not helping them anyway. And then we see that we see the whole we see this whole feeling pouring out into the world that we live in. Okay, let me tell you an example. This is what society is doing now. You got a race. These children are all lined up. They have a race. Kid comes in 20th place. He's in 20th place out of 20 kids. And he gets a trophy and told that he's a winner. Let me tell you something. No, well, I don't, don't boo the kid. Don't boo the kid. But, the, but, the, but this is what's happening. This is what our society is doing. You won because everybody won here. No, you didn't win. You lost, and you lost miserably. You came in last place. Because what happens is this, if you just say, oh, it's okay, you're a winner, we don't want to hurt your feelings, this kid takes home his trophy, he goes home, he puts it on there, he looks at it like, yeah, I'm good. Doesn't train harder, doesn't try harder, doesn't try to, uh, to push his body to the limits. And what happens is he gets complacent in where he was at because he was told that that was just fine. And so we're creating this generation of lazy people People that are not striving for more because whatever they've been told that they've done, even if it was below the, the, the bar, it's okay. Oh, man, this is not easy. But, Pastor, you look their faces. I turned out just fine. I lost a lot of races in my day. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Now, that example about the kid who came in last place and got the trophy and said, you did just fine, right? That's happening in church. This is happening in church because everybody wants to feel like they're doing okay. Well, let me tell y'all something. Y'all not all doing okay. Can I tell y'all that? Y'all not all okay. And if I tell y'all you all all oh, okay, then what's going to happen is you're like, oh, Pastor said, I'm all good. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to relax. Uh, no, you are not okay. And what you need to do is you need to study harder the word. You need to pray harder. You need to get into the presence of God. You need to seek him harder. You need to grow because where you are at is not sufficient. Now, how can you say that, Pastor? You? Because you know why? Because people are still walking into these doors, encountering us, and leaving the same. And that should not be happening if we are filled and and, and led by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time that the church wake up and do what the church is called to do. Revelation chapter 22 says, And verses 18 and 19 says, I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy within the book, if anyone adds to them what is written here, God will add that person to the plagues described in this book. If anyone removes the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share from the tree of life and in the holy city that is described in this book. When we water down, when we minimize, when we change things, we are putting ourselves in a very bad place. It's time to stop explaining and apologizing for the truth. The truth hurts sometimes. I, meant, I made this reference many times about American Idol. I wish somebody would have told some people the truth. Like how you go on American Idol and you don't know how to sing, but you think you do. Like your parents lied, your mom lied to you, your dad lied to you, your siblings lied to you, your best friend lied to you. Everyone lied to you because you stood up in line because someone told you that you could sing. And so that you sign up for American Idol, and then you become some meme on the Internet for the rest of your life. <laughs> but in Ephesians 4, 15, Paul tells us to speak the truth in love. Because remember, he said first, his, the greatest two commandments is to love me with everything above all. And the second is to love others. Right? And so when we tell the truth, we say it with love. Oneda's working on it. She's working on it. Oneda, right? You working on it? Telling the truth with love? You working on it. She, she, got, she better now than she was four months ago. I'm going to tell you that. And she, but she going to still tell you. She, she's working on it. God sees the progress. He sees it. Understand that the world will not change. Understand that... Uh, these are evil days. The world has hardened its heart to the truth. It's hard, the heart is hardened to the truth. And, the world, and, and, by, uh, and, and, and evidence is uh, the philosophies and the worldviews that we see dominating our culture today. We can see it. Persecution will come if we make a decision for the truth. Persecution in this country looks different than persecution in other countries. At least y'all know y'all won't get killed out in the street. Not yet. But there's people in other countries that are making a decision to stand up for the truth, and they know that they could be killed that same day. Those are true Gs right there. This morning, this morning, I want to encourage you guys to take a spiritual journey within your own life, guys. Like, really just take a moment and just be like, okay, okay. I know what I tell people. I know how I act. I know how I sound. I know what what some people may think of me, but Lord, truly show me. All that doesn't matter right now. Reflect, show show me the areas in my life that are not right with you. Take some time to examine your own feelings about the truth. If you don't know that this is God's full truth, then let's start there. This is God's full truth. Come to grip with what the truth is from where it comes from, how we must respond to it. These are all things. We need to wake up as Christians. Guys, I... I don't know how many times you're going to hear me say wake up in in the next month, but y'all need to wake up. We need to wake up as Christians. We need to wake up as the church. Do you know that people are dying every day? Do we know that? Do we know? People are dying every day. We need to wake up. The church needs to wake up. People are dying. Do you care? Oh, Pastor, you know I care. How are you going to ask me that? When was the last time you opened your mouth and evangelized? Because if you haven't, then are you, do you, can you say you care about the soul of someone that's going to hell? When was the last time, well, Pastor, I don't understand the Bible. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you said, listen, I don't have all the answers, and you know what? I'm new to all this, but all I know is that God did this in my life, and and he's changed me. Like, you don't got to be a scholar to tell people what God is doing in your life. If we say we care, then we should be living lives that reflect that. we got to stop being blown around with all kinds of doctrines and beliefs that our world is being filled with. Oh, so much junk. So much junk. we got to stand firm for what is right. Stand firm for what is right. This makes me feel like it's the beginning of one of those brave heart speeches, right? I stand out here and I say, listen, men, women, how many of us today can say that we believe that this is the truth, the truth? How many of you will be willing to defend this with your life? How many of you will be able to stand up for it and, and be firm for what it says, no matter the cost? A matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up right now. Let's all stand up. Oh, can I say, I'm going to do one more thing. Well, maybe I won't. Some of us are excusing the sin in our lives. Some of us are making excuses for the sin in our lives because it's okay within the world standards we excuse the sin in our lives because it's okay according to the world it's not as you can't go to jail for it you can't get arrested for it you know a matter of fact it's legal <laughs> so so we excuse the sin in our lives because the world said is truth the world said is truth Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father and to eternal life. There's no other way, church. The path to heaven is narrow, one-way road. Jesus said that only a few will find it. I'm going to have y'all do one last thing for me. I want you to make eye contact with Ten people at least. Look around, look around, make eye contact, eye contact. Look, 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 look. I'm looking at you. I see you, Nate, look around, Nate. look around, Nate. Look, 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 look. Juan, look around, Juan, look around. I see you. I'm going to call names out. Look around. Make some eye contact. You guys looked around and maybe looked between 10 to 15 people and stuff like that. Now, I'm going to tell you something kind of scary. Do you know that there's a possibility that out of the people that you looked at will not be of the few that find the narrow road? You just looked around and saw a bunch of people. Just because you're in this building at this moment does not mean that you will find that narrow road. But Jesus is that way. Some of us say, no, but, but Pastor, I, I serve God. I'm, I'm a Christian. You know that. I'm like, yeah, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what your words are saying, right? But your life doesn't show any of that. Your, 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 your desires, your wants, your, your wishes, your plans, your, it, has, it doesn't involve God whatsoever. Where is God in your future? Where is his purpose for you in your future? Some of us are so busy trying to get it that we've lost it. Each and every one of you were created with purpose. A purpose that the world did not give you. A purpose that God gave you. You don't owe this world anything. You owe God everything. Everything. It's time to wake up, church, this morning. It's time to wake up. And I know sometimes some of us wake up differently than others. There were seasons in my life that I just, sing. You know how I jump out of bed, pew. Now is a little snooze, snooze, one more snooze, phone call. Hey, babe, you up? Oh, yeah, yeah, we up, we up, we getting ready, we getting ready. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to get serious about the things of God. It's time to enjoy the joy. Like, to, to really enjoy the presence of God in our lives. Like, do you understand that it's not boring being a Christian? No. Can I tell you? Some be like, oh, but, you know, I got to give this up. I, gotta give up. I don't know. I, th- I have more fun now. Yep. Yep. My fun doesn't involve hangover. It doesn't involve throwing up in the toilet. <laughs> it doesn't involve, you know, like, oh, bad decisions. It doesn't, it doesn't involve any of that. Are there still hardships? Yes. Are there still trials and tribulations? Yes. But I'm enjoying life more now in the presence of God. And and what, what puts a smile to my face is that I'm enjoying life knowing that every day I grow older is a day I grow closer to one day being in the presence of God. One day I'm gonna be there with Him Who wants that? We all should. I want to pray this morning. I want to do a call. I want to to open the altar this morning for several things. One, if you have yet to accept Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, you cannot let another day go by. You are not here for of, of coincidence. It's not, again, we don't believe in that. It's not just, oh, by chance. No, God brought you to this place. And if you've not given your heart over to him, it's because he, he's calling you. He's calling you. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. That's the first, the first thing is if you haven't accepted him, please, I want you to, when, when we open the altar, I want you to, to come up. And whoever prays for you, let them know that that's your purpose of coming up. Second of all, the second calling is, you're a believer. You've accepted Christ. You love God. But something's just not the same. It's just not the same from the first time you accepted Christ. It's just not the same, the passion that you once had, that you you have currently have now. There's just so much things in life that has gotten in the way. Maybe you don't remember the last time you evangelized. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't speak about your faith at all to anyone. I was re- I was. I was watching a documentary on Jeremiah, and I was reminded that that God He touched His lips. Right? He touched His lips. He says, "I put my words," and He touched His lips. And there are some of us here that God has touched your lips to preach and to speak and to teach his word, and you are just being stubborn. You're being stubborn. If that is you this morning, if you're feeling in a rut in your walk with God, if perhaps you once served him and maybe at this moment you're no longer serving him, or or maybe it's some kind of break in your life or some, some circumstances in life, we want to pray with you this morning. The altar is open at this moment.